is up and welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. I'm your host, Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me, as always, my co-host here for episode 106, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Jeremy. Uh, I want to I wanna do a quick shout out to uh, a friend of mine that, that passed away, unfortunately, this last week, Ryan, uh, Ryan Malm. I uh, just want to sh- kind of shout out him. He was a great person. Um, and unfortunately, he died a, in a car-related accident. And uh, yeah, I just want to take a moment to sort of uh, thank him for his friendship and, and have people uh, have him in his thoughts, his family in, uh, in their thoughts. And uh, I actually played a little youth soccer with him growing up, so I guess that's a connection. Um, but yeah, I just want to say shout out to Ryan. He's a great guy. And um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, other than that, uh, obviously there's a lot of great, great stuff going on with soccer and, and look forward to talking to that or talking about that and uh, look forward to talking to you about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate. I feel like the, oh, there are so many instances in our lives. Everybody kind of has this same experience where somebody they know somebody really close to them either really close to them or an acquaintance or whatever you know just goes way too soon right and uh so obviously uh keeping you in our thoughts dom but obviously um you know ryan and his family uh that's uh, I, i can't imagine what what they're going through right now so um kind of a somber way to start episode 106 but um really glad that you were able to kind of give that shout out there um But we will talk some soccer on this episode. A lot of soccer to get to. Minnesota United, MNUFC2, Gophers, Tommies, NSIC. uh, A lot of action with uh, college soccer very much in full swing as well. So we will get to that as well. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast feed, please do, especially if you're a fan of Minnesota United, because not only do you get notified when we drop a new episode of 10K every Friday, you also get notified when a new episode of Post Loons, our post-Minnesota United post-game show, uh, is right there in your podcast feed after every game as well. So if you want to get notified when that stuff is dropped and is fresh and new, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast feed. Also, leave us a rating and review if you haven't. It's been a while since we've got a new five-star rating on uh, on Apple. So I saw you guys have been leaving those on uh, on Spotify. I think we're up close to 15 Spotify ratings now, so I appreciate that. Uh, but we'd love to continue to get those on both Spotify and Apple if we can. Uh, so make sure if you haven't left us a five-star review and you're liking the show, uh, if you take the time to do that, that would be awesome. And also make sure you're checking out sodasoccer.com. It is your new home for soccer coverage in the North. I probably should take the new out of there. I say that every time. It's like new home. Like, you know, it's been like seven months at this point. But uh, Minnesota United, Minneapolis City, Minnesota Aurora, the Gophers, um, they're all covered there at sodasoccer.com. So make sure you're checking us out, sotasoccer.com. And if you want to support our work, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. And at patreon.com slash sodasoccer is where you can find our weekly bonus podcast, 10K Stoppage Time. Just a, a different topic or maybe an interview that you can't hear anywhere else. And this week, it's an interview with Minneapolis City alum, Ian Smith, who's currently playing in the fourth tier of Norwegian soccer with Upsal IF in Norway. Um, really cool story with Ian, and obviously he's trying to make it happen over in Europe. Uh, just signed with this club earlier in 2022, and he's sticking around with them here for this 2022-23 season as well. So uh, really good interview with Ian. Dom, any more insider info on the Ian Smith interview that we should know? You're the one who did it. So uh, any more info on the on the interview that we should know before uh, the people go check it out? 
Yeah, uh, just, you know, really great conversation. You know, Ian, for, for folks that have, have really followed the NPSL North, they'll, they'll probably recognize the name. Ian's been uh, with Minneapolis City on and off for a long time. Um, actually uh, played with them in the PLA before they joined the NPSL North, mm -hmm. before the NPSL North existed. Um, yep. And uh, uh, helped them to um, conference titles in, in 18 and 21. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't play with them in 2019. He played... Um, in the uh, USL League too, um, but uh, just really cool guy, really great guy. Really cares about Minneapolis, which is where he's from. Really cares about Minneapolis City and, and just the soccer scene there. Um, and, and you know, the conversation goes from you know, we talked about Minneapolis United and MTA. We talked about UW Green Bay. That's his alma mater. You know, we we talked we talked about a lot of different things about Midwest Midwest soccer uh, and, and his experiences through all that. Um, and, and then obviously transition to his life now in Norway, uh, where, where he's playing with Opsal. Talked about uh, the playing, obviously. We talked about he's furthering his education there, actually. We talked about, you know, coaching aspirations. We really covered a lot of things. So uh, I, I think people will enjoy uh, learning more about him, learning more about what he's up to. And obviously, if, if you happen to be a Minneapolis City supporter, there's a lot of great stuff in there for you, too. Uh, so, yeah, definitely suggest uh, going and checking it out. And that interview from uh, by Dom was for a piece from Dom, which will be coming out next week on uh, Tuesday. I believe Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday, oh, I think Tuesday. Is yep. it's going to drop on the sixth. So if you want a little sneak peek in that uh, in that piece, and you know, just get some uh, get some quotes and get some info from Ian that may not have uh, made the uh, the the piece there that we're going to be dropping at SodaSoccer.com. Make sure you're subscribing to our Patreon and checking out this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time. But as far as the regular podcast goes, let's get right into that with the headlines. And we start, of course, with your Minnesota United FC. Started off the weekend, or started off the week, I should say, with a 2-1 to one comeback win on the weekend over Houston. That was on Saturday in a little matinee at Allianz Field. Um, saw a little bit of uh, resiliency in this team that maybe, uh, you know, if this game happened three or four months ago, last year, a couple of years ago, maybe this, this comeback doesn't happen, but... Um, I think this is one of those many instances where this Minnesota United team is kind of showing a little bit of grit, showing a little bit of tenacity, kind of showing some elements, continuing to show more elements that maybe didn't exist in these prior Minnesota United teams. As good as they are, you know, there are certain elements that teams have that take them from being a good, you know, playoff team to actually having that realistic opportunity to to hoist MLS Cup or compete for MLS Cup. There's a difference between those squads. And I think this year's Minnesota United squad is actually showing that they have some of that recipe. They have some of those elements. And I think this this uh this match in particular um showed a little bit of those with being able to come back late. And I think with the way this attack has been playing, you sort of had the feeling that as this game wore on that the the goals were going to come at some point and they did. Yeah, it was interesting because you know, I think we even talked a little bit um, last episode in the, in the buildup for, for this match that um, a lot of the press around it, a lot of the quotes that were coming out, um, different articles and all that were, were, you know, a lot of the some players and, and Heath as well kind of trying to remind people like, hey, Houston are low on the table, but like this is going to be a tough match. I know we just beat Austin, but this is going to be a tough one. Don't expect it to be, you know, walk over or whatever. And, uh, you know, they, they turned out to be uh, – Correct. Obviously, Houston put up quite a fight. Um, almost got you know at least a point out of this this road trip for them. Uh, but like you said, we we did see the Loons do something that competitive teams have to be able to do, which is that really no matter 
what the time, what the clock looks like, no matter, you know, how the first 45 go, all those sorts of things, you have to figure it out. Uh, you have to get those points, especially at home. And, uh, you know, particularly because of what uh, ended up happening in, in the midweek game, getting this win is, is crucial. If this game had gone differently, say a draw or a loss, then the other game we're going to talk about, which is obviously the, the lost RSL, that turns into a, a real situation yeah. for this team um, and a really, really dangerous situation. So uh, going to that Dallas game as well, that's coming up. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's a great performance from from several key players that really showed up. Um, obviously, well, I'm sure we'll get to, obviously, unfortunate, the the injury to Debassi that, that took place during the game, which might have some, some wider, larger effects. But uh, on the night, it was a, a sort of comeback performance that every now and then you need to see from a, a team like Minnesota United that want to aspire for competing for, you know, trophies um, or at the very least certainly playoff runs. So, uh, yeah, it, it was encouraging. Um, but obviously there was some sort of aftermath things leading into that RSL match that um, maybe leave a little bit of a, of a bitter taste. Yeah, so Loons went down 1-0 in the first half, uh, get, called, get caught ball watching, and it was just a really – uh, not even a lucky goal. Like it, it should have been a goal, but the actual, like the actual strike for the goal was just like completely mis hit. But Dane St. Clair is oncoming and it just sort of chips accidentally over him and into the back of the net. Uh, that kind of sums up Houston season uh, right there. When, even when they score, they can't make it look pretty. Uh, but uh, you know, credit to Minnesota, obviously after Debassi goes down, you're bringing in uh, just a completely cold Brent Coleman off the bench. Uh, but they were able to sort of shut Houston down after that. Yes, the Dynamo had a couple of opportunities, but for the most part, that goal was really the only danger that Houston saw in the attack all match long, which allowed Minnesota the opportunity to scratch back, which they did in the 79th as the Loons uh, earned a free kick just outside the box. Reynoso curls it in, and when you curl it into a dangerous area, good things are going to happen. This one deflects off the Houston defender into the back of the net. Uh, the own goal knots things up. And then a few minutes later, Amaria buries the winner via a pass from fellow Paraguayan, Alan Benitez, and uh, that Amaria winner secures the three points. So you do come out feeling good about this comeback win. You're continuing a great run of form. But again, it is kind of at a cost in this match as Bakayi Debasi went down in the fourth minute, grabbing his right leg. And uh, Adrian Heath confirmed early in the week that he ruptured his quadricep tendon and is out through the beginning of the 2023 season. Let me just start by saying... Well, start by saying all the best to Debassi, and hopefully he can he can uh, make a full recovery and his uh, surgery and rehab goes well. But a ruptured quadricep tendon sounds like one of the worst possible injuries that could ever happen to a human. Like torn tendon or torn, you know, whatever it happens, ruptured tendon. That sounds terrible. It's rough. It's rough, and and it's it's a. Tough situation for him, obviously, recently got that, uh, what was it, a one-year uh, extension on the contract. Uh, this is going to mm-hmm. bleed into that that upcoming year. It's, you know, he's not uh, the youngest player. So you know, these injuries also tend to affect uh, you more the older you are. Um, so, yeah, it's a rough one. It's a really rough one. And it comes at this sort of last stretch of the season that you would really love to have your preferred defensive pairing available. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's rough timing. It's a rough injury. Uh, yeah, obviously, con- well, condolences, best of, best of luck to, to him and his recovery, but 
yeah, it, it, it puts this team in an interesting position because more often than not, you know, especially in the second half of this game, we're seeing the attack usually able to put together some really good runs of play, figure things out, get some goals. We were starting to see, again, some defensive stability more or less um, with the side. You know, Alain Benitez starting to sort of find his place, all that sort of stuff. And to suddenly sort of lose that piece, is, it's, it's a big one. Um, that said, I, I, I think it's still possible for this team to, you know, figure things out. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's rough. It's rough timing. Uh, and it does mean that, you know, the loons are going to be missing, uh, their preferred backline setup, uh, going into, you know, a, a stretch where they're going to have to, you know, be beating some of the best in the West. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's an awkward situation, an awkward time. And, uh, it, it, it leaves some serious homework. Uh, on the desk of Adrian Heath. Yeah, it, it really does. And it comes at, uh, you know, the timing is is not ideal for many different reasons, but it also came with only a week before the MLS roster freeze deadline, which is today okay. for listening on Friday. And that sort of was the conversation of, okay, do you stick with a guy like Brent Coleman? Do you maybe consider moving a guy like Ariaga back to center back, uh, who he has experience there with the national team? Or do you look to shop around and do you look to try to bring in a free agent or somebody to cover that spot? Uh, John Brooks was a, was a name that popped up and obviously he's somebody, I think any MLS team, especially who's a a playoff competitor who needs a defender at this juncture kind of fits that billing, but he, he demands a lot of money at this point. I mean, he's a big name for, for a reason. And, you know, he's played at the, the top flight in Europe and you know, all that. So you know, he's not a guy who would be cheap to bring in, but sounds like he will be signing with, well, um, I can't remember who he said he was going to be signing with, but I evidently that's off the table according to Tom Bogert. And I guess Benfica is where uh, John yeah. Brooks is going to go now. But uh, so that was a name people were bringing up. Um, but Adrian Heath mentioned in training this week, right off the bat, when just after he let us know that DeBossi was going to be out for the season, the next question was, well, are you going to be looking to bring in anybody from the outside? And his answer was really no, like, like we're, we're going to go with what we've got. And that raised a lot of eyebrows, I think, among Minnesota United faithful. When, uh, you know, myself, Andy Grader, you know, the reporters that were there put that out on Twitter saying, why wouldn't you? Brent Coleman's not the guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the timing to me, I think it goes back to that. I think if they have three or four weeks, of time to really see what's out there and and do their homework and try to bring in somebody. Um, I think that makes it a much more realistic possibility, but with only a matter of days before you're, you're stuck with the roster you have, I think that part of it is really what hamstrung Adrian Heath and co. I do not think that may, that they'll, they'll say they're content with what they got and they're good. They're okay with what they got. But I, I think it really had more to me, in my opinion, came down to the timing than it did actually being content and satisfied with the backup options that you have currently. Right. And, and of course, you know, in addition, well, not even addition to timing, part of all that time, you know, this comes after several signs have already been made. They've already kind of done most of the market action, some of which included like DP money and all that kind of stuff. They've kind of already played their hand. Uh, Mm -hmm. So especially you know, to the point, uh, people, a lot of people weren't just saying you should go sign someone. They were saying you should go sign someone like John Brooks. So that's not just something you do. So as if you can yeah. just pick up the phone and be like, hey, John, right. come play in Minnesota. And he'll be like, okay. And then it'll be like, done, send the tweet. No, that's Without, not. With the context of what 
the loons had already done in the market, plus the timeline, as you mentioned, if they had gone and got someone, it would have been someone people would have complained just as much about as Brent Coleman. I promise anybody that is unsure of that. I mean, it, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to get um, a, a star defender, I don't think, that, that would have been in, in good form or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Uh, I understand there are people that aren't a big fan of Coleman and that there's certainly things that he could be better at. At the same time, I just don't think the team was in a position to really go for anything that was much better than him. And, and it's, it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of people talking about him right now because of the, the situation, obviously how the RSO game went defensively. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. I do think for what it's worth, while we talk about how rough the team defensively was with him in it against RSL, he did play essentially the entire Houston game and we won. So, I mean, they're not, what people are saying is not all wrong, but for what it's worth, let's keep in mind that in his, in his new starting role, basically, because he missed seven minutes of the Houston game, uh, he's essentially got one win and one loss. So, We'll see. We'll have to see. This is what the team has. Um, so, uh, again, it's a tough situation. Obviously, it'd be great if Debassi wasn't injured. But I don't know if Minnesota United had a ton of leeway to do anything other than what they chose to do. And um, at the end of the day, that's what he has to work with. So that's what he's going to have to figure out. Coleman has had really good periods despite his various issues uh, within the last year or two. I think it's possible for Heath to play him and Boxel in a way that will get results. I, I definitely agree that it might be harder. Um, but again, you know, at, this, at a certain point, you can't just wish away problems and that this is what Heath has to deal with. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Yeah. And uh, so, so we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, if you're listening, listening to us on Friday, that means the roster is is ready to go. It's stuck. You you have what you have for Minnesota United. You're not going to bring really anybody in else from the outside at this point, this late in the season. So um, that leads us into the RSL match here, uh, which happened. It was a thing. It was a match that did happen <laughs> late on a Wednesday. If he stayed up, uh, it was a three note loss at RSL. Um, but, you, you know, Reynoso doesn't even make the trip. Uh, you're heavily rotating the roster here. It's a 4-3-3 with a midfield of, of Rosales, Trapp, and 
And Jonathan Gonzalez making his first start. Mender Garcia also makes his first start up top in the striker position with um, Abu Dhanladi at left wing. Um, but it was this one was all RSL. Get started in the in the seventh minute with a goal from Cordova on a uh, on a cross that's flicked on by Coleman. He gets ahead to it. Um, three defenders are around Cordova when he fields it in the box, but somehow he's able to maneuver his way between the three defenders and find the space necessary to bury the shot. Um, Savarino makes it two on a low cross uh, that just goes right across the mouth of goal. Um, and he's there at the far post to put it in. And then Anderson Julio buries the third and dagger goal in the 79th minute to seal the win. Um, we just talked about the center back position, Dominic, uh, big, big point of a uh, big talking point during the week. And I think that talking point gets even bigger as I don't want to call it meaningless, but in the grand scheme of things, losing a midweek game to at RSL, second of three games in seven days when you're heavily rotating your roster and obviously more focused on the FC Dallas match at home on Saturday, the loss in itself, the zero points doesn't necessarily seem that important in the grand scheme. But to me, the bigger concern came the way in which these goals came for RSL. Um, It just seemed a lot of, of sloppy. I want to call it lazy, but the second goal specifically with, um, I can't remember who sent in the low cross, but it just goes right across the goal mouth. And it looked like Boxall and Coleman are both kind of jogging, getting back and yeah. should have probably gotten a, one of them probably should have gotten a foot to that one. Um, I don't know. What was your initial impression of the loss, both in, in meaning, but also just the way the game shook out as well. Yeah. I mean, just in regards to the meaning part, I, I agree um, with what you said about the meaning. At the same time, the meaning will become clear once we know how the team plays the rest of the games, sure. right? You know, Very if, true. If, if the quote unquote better, you know, version of this Loons team ends up dropping more points after this, then all of a sudden that loss is a lot more important. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, I mean, if you lose to FC Dallas on Saturday, this, this right. match is going to loom a lot larger, right? Right, right. Um, in, in terms of how I felt about the different moments in the game, yeah. You know, the, the back line looks really rough, and I think what's probably concerning about that is while there were technically a lot of changes in this game, um, that back line is basically going to be the back line that plays all the rest of the games. So yep. Uh, yep. Whatever, whatever sort of momentary, oh, it doesn't matter so much how Garcia did or Denlati did or whatever, that back line is going to be playing FC Dallas. So Correct. whatever they did wrong against RSL, they're going <laughs> to – I mean, that, that's relevant. So – um yeah it it was just kind of sloppy all all across the board um a lot of lot of crosses being allowed from the right side a lot of poor marking by both Coleman and Boxel I I do want to uh, I guess be fair to Coleman in the sense that I want to note that Boxel was arguably the more at fault center back on the first two goals he was the worst player on the pitch according to foot mob yeah I I, Six rating right. for Michael Boxall Wednesday night. Sheesh. I, I get Coleman didn't have a good game, but to be clear, those two goals, Boxall was the closest center back to both scoring players. He was essentially the one marking them. So uh, Coleman was not the only one that had a bad night. Both of them had a bad night, arguably Boxall more, depending on how you look at it. That being said, 
um, again, these are the guys that are going to have to play. So um, Heath and the team are going to have to work very quickly to figure out how to not play that way, how, how to get these guys to be more cohesive, be more aware, be more awake and, and play better because you can't play like that and expect to stay where we are on the table. And even, you know, there's enough points already with this Loons team that in theory, a, a drop in form means they're still in the playoffs, but finishing sixth is not nearly as helpful as finishing third or fourth. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. It, you know, obviously at halftime, a lot of changes got made uh, to try and adjust things. They didn't quite work out. I think the way he, he hoped um, and, and up front, unfortunately, the guys that sort of got their chances didn't make too much of them. Although I would argue that the way the rest of the team was playing made it harder because there, there was not a lot of like consistent possession, not a lot of good play really just happening in general. Yeah. Um, when, when your back line's porous, it's harder for the front to, to find momentum. So um, obviously the St. Clair injury and all that kind of stuff messed with the flow even more. So it, it was a really, it was just kind of a bad night for everybody. Um, and if the sort of first team, so to say, pick things up, then this game probably can be one of those ones you kind of forget about by the end of the season. But it does mean that there's that extra pressure uh, on those guys to make sure they do their job against, say, FC Dallas. Um, and yeah, look, um, Coleman and Box will have to do a better job defending forwards. Just in general, I mean, that you just can't. They, sh- you know, the team should have known uh, uh, Cordova. Cordova, that was his fourth goal in five games. He's having a he really is the good most informed guy on the team. I mean, he is the guy that you had to look at coming in. And that's what I that's where I thought Minnesota is going to be in trouble coming in. Is you have a guy on fire like Cordova, and you basically have your your second string center back um in in his first really. I mean, you can call Saturday a full run, right? I mean, he came in, in the sure. seventh minute, but his first start back in yeah. quite a while. I mean, he started August 6th for Boxall. Uh, because of uh, yellow card uh, right. suspension. So, but other than that, we have not seen a lot of Brent Coleman this season. So he's still working his way into shape. He's still working his way and figuring out how he acclimates with, uh, you know, Alan Benitez now to the right, which is yeah. a much different player than DJ Taylor, who's a much different player than Roman Mentner. So it's a lot for Coleman. It's, it's a lot to ask of Coleman, not to completely um, bring him out from under the bus. But at the same time, this, yeah, I, I think, look, if you weren't keying in on Cordova, then you weren't doing your homework. And yeah. it's easier said than done. But, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean. And the same, by the way. Me coming in. Yeah, and the same, by the way. And this is not me trying to give too much love to the Venezuelans that scored or whatever. But, like, you also got to know how to mark Saverino. He literally scored two goals against you, like, a month ago. So you should know that guy's dangerous. You should probably not let him run around the box free. Uh, so, you know, again, it's just, it, it, was, it was sloppy. It, it looked disengaged. Um, it's just not good enough. Uh, FC Dallas arguably has a better front line, so you, sh- you can't play that way against them. Um, no. So that, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe potentially getting Kamar Lawrence back on Saturday would be a huge lift. 
um, especially when it comes to then having options at the right back position, because if there's no Kamar Lawrence and you have to play DJ Taylor on the left, which means you have to play Alan Benitez on the right. And I think we saw Alan Benitez take a significant step back on Wednesday night as well. His positioning was terrible. Um, he wasn't making an impact in the attack. Um, it just it just wasn't wasn't there tonight for him. DJ Taylor did not play well either at left back. I mean, nobody really nobody played well on the pitch for Minnesota. Really. I thought Jonathan Gonzalez looked good in spurts. Will Trap. You know, Rosales, I thought that defensive midfield did all right, um, but it's not really a defensive midfield in a four three in a four three three. Um, and then I thought uh I thought Mender Garcia, his first start up top, I mean he really wasn't given the service. There was not that midfield to forward connectivity at all. So it was really tough to to gauge his performance. But at least those two guys in particular are getting more time, more of a run, you know, more acclimated into into the squad. Um, working with other guys on the pitch. So um, I guess that there's one positive to take from that is you got to see, you got to get guys run who haven't gotten significant playing time yet, um, mm-hmm. which is good. But as you mentioned, Dallas coming in on Saturday, it's a totally different animal. Um, Jesus Ferrer, Sebastian Legette, Alan Velasco, it, it, it goes, it goes on and on. Uh, Paul Ariola, it goes on and on. Um, so, and Jesus Ferreira is a guy who you shut down at FC Dallas earlier in the season when you got a win down there. So he is going to be chomping at the bit to get back going. Um, and I think this is, you could probably say this is a better FC Dallas team that you're going to be playing on Saturday than the one you beat in Dallas back in, what was that? June, May or June, May. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was May. Uh, so it's just, it's it's one of those games where you need to sort of, and, it's it's weird to know what to do with this particular game tape. Do you just completely burn it and move on? Or do you really try to look at it and take some things from it? Um, I think from a backline standpoint, you should probably burn the tape, but also realize that we need to get our shit together. Yeah. We need to figure out how to come together and make this work from a defensive standpoint. Because if we don't, I mean, there's FC Dallas could hang four on Minnesota. If RSL scored three, FC Dallas could realistically hang four or five on Minnesota if the defensive performance is anywhere close to uh, what we saw on Wednesday. So you need to tighten it up defensively. Uh, Hopefully Kamar Lawrence comes back. Um, If he is back, I'm playing DJ Taylor on the right personally. Mm. Um, A, because I think he's the better defensive option, but B, he's somebody also who Brent Coleman actually has experience playing alongside. Right. And I think that will help you get the most out of Coleman if it's somebody he's used to playing alongside as opposed to a brand new piece like Benitez. Um, so that's what I would go with personally. But you'll have Reynoso back. You'll have Fragapane back. You'll have Amaria back you know, in the, in the starting role. So uh, I think and you'll have your defensive midfield of Lud and Ariaga, presumably. So I think you'll you'll from an attacking standpoint, I think it'll be fine. It's just, can they keep the ball out of their own net? Is, is the biggest question and we will find out on Saturday, but um, I think that'll be a big, it'll be a big measuring stick in terms of the confidence that we'll be expected to have in this team moving forward. If they find a way to, you know, if they put up a clean sheet or even give up one goal and it's a three, one, two, one, two nil win for Minnesota, then I think you're feeling really confident in the squad as it stands moving forward. If it's four, two, four, three, Three two three one the other way, then maybe there's really starts to be some questions about about if this defensive 
squad, the way it's assembled, can can do anything for you getting into the playoffs and keep you above that home playoff line, too. So a lot of questions to answer for Minnesota United, obviously, this Saturday. But it's a matinee, another one, 2.30 from Allianz Field. post loons coming your way via yours truly from the Allianz Field press box right after that. Um, and then at 6 o'clock, it's another doubleheader at Allianz Field, by the way. I mean, UFC, too, will, will take the field as well. And speaking of the doubloons, they did lose 1-0 to Houston Dynamo 2 at Allianz Field the last weekend, leaving the playoff picture. It, it, it's bleak. It's almost they, they don't really have much of a playoff chance at this point. They're not completely math, mathematically out of it, but there's really no realistic chance of them uh, getting into the playoffs with that loss. Um, so, but they're a fun team to watch. It's fun to watch some of the, the future loons. So if you are going to Allianz Field, uh, for the FC Dallas match on Saturday. I would recommend sticking around for the MNUFC 2 match at 6 o'clock as well. I know it'll be a long day, uh, but those matches are a lot of fun. We saw we saw Adrian Heath and Dane St. Clair both in the crowd sort of or, or helping out uh, with the with the Wonderwall in the uh, in the in the second game. So um, yeah it can be it can be a lot of fun uh, those second games. So I would I would highly recommend sticking around for that if you are going to Allianz Field on Saturday. Uh, college soccer. Let's get to some of that busy week in college soccer starts with the Gophers, um, a pair of one nil losses to Cal Poly and Mississippi state last week. It was like 105 degrees for that match against Mississippi state. It was like at noon on Sunday, I believe. And they were going through like a massive heat wave down there. Just not great conditions to play in at all. Um, but they did follow that up by getting their first win of the year earlier today on Thursday, as we're recording. 4-0 4-0 over Drake. Izzy Brown gets her first career hat trick. Uh, and Krista Van Loon gets the fourth. Only one save needed from goalkeeper Megan Plachko as Drake manages just six shots on the day. So Aaron Chastain's squad, you know, a, a few, you know, they haven't got they hadn't gotten a win up to that point. I believe um 3 and 1 coming into this one. Uh, but you get the first win, and although you hadn't necessarily gotten a win up to that point. You've you've played some pretty, you know, you've kept it competitive in a lot of these matches. I mean, you took number seven TCU to the wire, probably should have won that match against the seventh ranked team in the nation. Um, you only lose one nil to Baylor. Um, and then you look at the one nil losses to Cal Poly and, and Mississippi State. Um, or excuse me, it was a draw. It was a one-one draw against Baylor. But uh, in any case, you kept things competitive throughout the season, and finally you get that monkey off your back with a win. Maybe this can actually start a, a positive snowball rolling for the Gophers, and they can get some momentum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to have this sort of run of results, you'd rather um, have that win kind of come at the end where you can build on that momentum instead of starting well and, and, and dropping off. Um, and, and also, as you noted, with those, those losses over the weekend, some other factors, you know, they're, they're tight losses. Obviously, the weather wasn't necessarily helping. It is what it is. Part of part of these uh, early season runs is always to test teams and, and, and sort of force them to learn and grow before conference play starts. Uh, it, I'm sure that is what the Gophers are, are achieving with, with these games. And, and obviously, in that Drake game, you sort of saw uh, some of that come to fruition. And, uh, yeah, you know, Gophers, that program has always – particularly in recent years, been ambitious. It wants to play the best it can play. It, it wants to play good teams. It wants to challenge itself. Um, that's obviously what the schedule is doing. And, and sometimes that means you're going to lose some games and tie some games. So 
uh, I, I'm sure that they're learning the things they want to learn. I'm sure that they're figuring out how to implement that. I'm sure that this Drake result gives them more confidence in that process. And, and we'll you know have to see how that plays out as the, the season sort of um, reaches uh, its peak in conference play. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Yeah, and you see individual performances. Uh, you know, Izzy Brown is somebody who is expected to be a main contributor to this team moving forward. She gets the hat trick. So, you know, I think they will, especially in the attack, start to get some confidence. Because I think that's the biggest question, at least what we've seen early on, is where are the goals going to come from for this, for this Gopher team? Um, you put up four, put up a four spot in this one. So hopefully that can start again, that positive effect. And we can see the goals really start to pour in. Um, it looks like looking at the schedule here on Sunday, they will play North Dakota, um, 1 PM in Grand Forks. And then you're back at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie stadium next Thursday for a 6 PM kickoff against Omaha. So, uh, two big opportunities there to, and squad as the Gophers continue on. Um, speaking of continuing on, let's go to uh, the St. Thomas women um, as they started a busy weekend with a home 1-0 win over Chicago State before falling 1-0 to Utah Tech and drawing the University of Idaho 0-0. They make the relatively short trip to Northern Iowa on Monday, Labor Day, the 5th. Um, so they are, but they've, been, they've had an impressive early start to their season, have the St. Thomas women. Um, and then on the men's side, two losses to kick off the season in California last week, 3-1 to California Baptist and 4-1 to UC Riverside. Uh, next up, they're playing in the Dayton Flyer Classic with matches against Dayton and Incarnate Word. Um, those are on Friday and Sunday. Uh, the Dayton match on Friday, the Incarnate Word match on Sunday. Um, St. Cloud men collect a win and two draws from a doubleheader with South Dakota Mines and an away trip to Truman State, conceding just twice in those three matches. So a good start for the Huskies. Um, and then one more game before conference play kicks into gear. So the non-conference slate already wrapping up for St. Cloud. And then NSIC, conference power Bemidji State, opened the season with a tough 3-0 loss on the road to South Dakota State. Uh, Winona State with a promising pair of wins against University of Nebraska Kearney and East Central University. St. Cloud State with a pair of tough home losses to Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech. And then Minnesota, Minnesota State Mankato 
balance a three to one win against Missouri Southern with a one nil loss to central Oklahoma. So a lot of uh, action happening, St. Cloud men and SIC Tommy's Gophers busy time for college soccer, but um, we'll be interesting to see in the next few weeks where these non-conference slates shake out and who kind of those favorites are heading into the conference uh, conference races. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of interesting storylines developing, uh, you know, St. Cloud uh, men off into a good run in non-conference play. Um, that that's a, that's a squad that I have a lot of interest in because there's a lot of MPSL connections uh, in that squad yep. that are that should be interesting. Uh, Med City, Joy Athletic, all kind of teams with with connections to that roster, um, and and you know obviously they're still finding their way in the Goliath a little bit. Um, St. Thomas men and women both you know sort of figuring out their place. Men struggling a little more on the result side, but you know certainly still showing that their their dedication to their projects. Great to see the women get some results uh, combined on the men's side. Obviously, results less favorable, but the, you know they're staying in the games. They're getting a goal here and there. Certainly, remaining competitive and, and finding their way um, in D1 soccer. So, I, I think a lot to be excited about for for folks following those schools. NSIC, you know, obviously conference play still coming up, and, and that's sort of when things really uh, hit the anvil. But but interesting to see different programs uh, finding their way. You know, some programs that typically struggle, like UMD and Winona, have gotten some some positive results in the last week or so, which is which is always great to see. Uh, and and you know your powerhouses, your sort of the teams you sort of expect to challenge for um, uh, titles, that sort of thing. I, I know um, Equal Time Soccer in their preview sort of not not unexpected, not what am I trying to say? Expectedly. Um, not surprisingly is what I was trying to say, uh, mentioned that, you know, Bemidji Mankato, obviously always kind of favorites for, for a good run. Um, their preseasons they've, or not preseasons, but their pre-conference play, they've, uh, obviously been trying to challenge themselves. Some of those games have gone their way, some not, but yeah, just a lot of interesting stuff happening in, in the non-conference runs all across college ball right now. Um, definitely if, if people have a, a college near them that they want to try going to games for men or women, uh, now is the time. Uh, get involved before conference play gets going and you can kind of track your team because uh, there's clearly a lot of interesting storylines developing. Definitely. And, um, you know, this will be even more exciting and more uh, more work on our part to uh, cover as the seasons get rolling. But up for the challenge uh, are we here at Soda Soccer. So we'll keep you uh, we'll keep you informed and we'll keep you abreast of what's happening there. Um, in other news, Morgan Turner, Minnesota Aurora, uh, you know, alum. Uh, she has scored in her Portuguese debut, of course, recently signed with Portuguese uh, professional side Terenze. And she scores in her debut for them as they win a two to one cup match in her debut. So awesome to see her getting off on the right foot. And then Annie Williams, the Cottage Grove native, Cottage Grove, stand up. Uh, she signs for Parma's women's team in the Italian first division, her latest of several homes in Europe as a Cottage Grove, uh, Cottage Grovian myself. Very, very proud. Um, and then uh, Mukwele Kale makes back-to-back starts for South Georgia Tormenta. Road wins against Central Valley Fuego and Charlotte Independence. Of course, we let, told you last week on stoppage time that he was signing with South Georgia Tormenta. And uh, so he's getting his first professional run in quite a while. Um, and uh, although not contributing on the stat sheet, um, still getting on the field and obviously um, you know making, making contributions in, in back-to-back wins for the USL League One side as they push for the playoffs. Yeah, a lot of good stuff coming from a couple of different Minnesotans uh, in the pro game. For Turner, obviously great to sort of hit the ground running, get a goal in your debut. I believe 
that she scored in the first like 10 minutes of the game. Uh, it, it was an early goal uh, in, um, in one of the, uh, the cups in Portugal. Uh, I think they have two um, professional cups. But um, yeah, so great to see her uh, get involved with the team right away, producing a goal. That's, that's sort of the dream start. Doesn't really get much better than that uh, for Annie Williams. Obviously, great. You know, she's continuing that that European journey that's taken her to a couple different teams. Parma, obviously, a, a historical team, generally in Italy, um, and, and so just cool that there's a, a Minnesota connection now to the Parma organization um, that there maybe wasn't before. Uh, and yeah, for uh, Akale, I mean, perfect start. Uh, maybe would have loved to get a goal in one of those two games, but you know. We, we in the uh, salvage time last week, you know, talking about, well, hopefully, you know, he can grow into the team soon. Turns out he can do it right away. <laughs> and uh, they, they clearly wanted him to get minutes. They started in both games, uh, from all my understanding, had good performances, uh, obviously helped them win. So great for him to really get right back into it. Uh, like you said, has, a little, has had a little bit of time away from the pro game, but uh, clearly not too much rust on those, on those gears and, and is right back at it. Uh, so really just congratulations to all three of them um, with uh, with a, a week that I'm sure will prove very beneficial to their careers moving forward. All right. It is time now. Your favorite part of the show, or really his favorite part of the show, depending <laughs> on uh, depending on uh, your preferences here. But it is top four, where Dom and I each pick two sort of uh, stories that we may not have time for on the regular podcast or in my in my case, I like to branch out and talk about more national or international soccer story. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and kick things off, Dom, if you don't mind. Um, with the Chelsea-Christian Pulisic saga, evidently it has either come to an end or is just beginning, depending on your vantage point <laughs> of how you're viewing this. Uh, but of course, the transfer deadline is gone and passed. Christian Pulisic still at Chelsea, um, despite reportedly wanting wanting out, wanting a place where he can get more playing time. Uh, only 95 minutes total in the team's first five matches has not started any of them for Chelsea this season. Um, uh, he was linked uh, potentially to Manchester United. Uh, there were a few other a few other clubs in the mix there. Newcastle, reportedly think, yeah. for, yep, Newcastle was in there as well. Uh, but he is staying at Chelsea. Will we see more of Christian Pulisic, Dom? Or is this going to be, because, I mean, heading into the World Cup, this is a concern of mine and many U.S. men's national team fans that you're not going to get a fully fit, fully informed Christian Pulisic because he is not getting playing time at this juncture at Chelsea. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting to me because from what I've heard, the reason that he ended up not leaving was just because the team decided they didn't want him to leave. Correct. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, because as far as why they would want him to not leave, it seems just so that they can sub him in sometimes when they need him. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see any indication that they have changed their mind about wanting him to start games, uh, which is a really rough spot for him to be in. I mean, I understand that obviously every team wants to have quality players on their bench, uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting position. It probably means that he's not going to be as fresh as people would like for the World Cup uh, unless we just see, I mean, look, obviously the Chelsea results haven't been great. Maybe that means that there ends up being a route where he actually does end up playing quite a bit for the team. But from everything we hear, it kind of sounds like Tuchel's not a fan. And I don't see that changing. Um, 
Pulisic, for his part, doesn't seem to be a fan either. I, I saw after the Southampton loss, he he walked off right away. He didn't shake any hands or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. He just left. Wave to the crowd. There was a big to-do. He didn't wave to the crowd, Dom. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, not helpful for the, the U.S. national team. Uh, that's for sure. Obviously, the U.S. men's national team is not Chelsea's priority, but uh, it, it's definitely not a great, you know, usually – Recently, this storyline is usually for, for the U.S. men has, has really only been about like goalkeepers, for example, not getting a lot of time, that sort of thing, like Zach Steffen. Um, to have basically your star player who's like on commercials and everything right now and build up to the World mm-hmm. Cup, not really playing for his team, is uh, it's a rough look and it's a rough situation. That being said, <laughs> to quote, to reference those commercials, those commercials are all about pressure and whatever. They're just about how he can take the pressure. Uh, I guess life is imitating art because now he has the pressure of performing for his national team without the sort of emotional backing of his club. So we'll have to see how he handles that and how uh, the coaching staff handle that. But that that's to be seen. But yeah, unfortunate for him, obviously. So looking at Pulisic's prospects moving forward, Chelsea did... Uh, um, I guess their departures include Romelu Lukaku, Timo Warner... Callum Hudson Odoi over the summer. Um, they did not sign Anthony Gordon. Bless. Mm, He's still mm. on Everton. Uh, but uh, they did sign Pierre Emerick Aubameyang from Barcelona. Yes. So we'll see. That adds more competition theoretically for the the spots uh, in the attack and the in the front line there at Chelsea. So we'll see if he can maneuver his way into some more playing time. Um, you know, Greg Ber- Berhalter was asked about it, and he said, "Well." He's proved everybody wrong before, you know, people think that he's done and then he, he gets playing time and then he, you know, contributes in, in a big way. And th- in a way that's true. You know, if he gets in for 15, 20 minutes in a match and he scores all of a sudden now T- Tuchel might be like, okay, maybe, maybe next time it's 35, 40 minutes, you know? So that can change. A lot of that can change. There's some ebbs and flows to these things, but um, yeah, if we're into, late October here and he's still 10, 15 minute spurts. That's going to be tough. Uh, and it doesn't, uh, doesn't do the U S any favors. So we will see. All right, Dom, hit us with your first, uh, first story. Yeah. Um, this is sort of a, a shout out or a reminder to people to stay tuned this Saturday to the U S open cup final is this Saturday. That's, uh, being hosted by Orlando city, obviously the visiting team, Sacramento Republic from uh, the USL championship, really interesting matchup. Uh, obviously, a sort of underdog narrative with the Republic coming in from the second division in the final. Um, I, I'm hopeful that it's going to be a competitive game. Every now and then you see in different cups, you'll see like an underdog team, whether they be sort of a relegation contender in the first tier or like a second tier team. Uh, you see them make a deep run and then they get like really busted up in the final, the mm-hmm. semifinal. I'm hopeful that's not what this is going to be because this Republic team really seems good. And they've they've bested several MLS teams on the way here. Uh, and Orlando are kind of hit or miss uh, this season. So uh, I'm, I'm genuinely hopeful that we're going to see a really competitive game. That said, I have no problem with Orlando winning, but I uh, certainly hope that, that both teams uh, fight for it. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, shout out to, to former Duluth FC uh, player, Damio Villa there, who, who is, uh, plays for the Republic. I imagine he'll start the game. He starts most of their games. Um, but, yeah, just, just to make sure to check – the game out, I imagine it'll be on ESPN Plus. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah, it'll be on the plus. It'll be on the plus. 
but uh, yeah, just just uh, I I love the Open Cup, and so just always fun to to watch it all the way to the end, and uh, hope people tune in. I appreciate your uh, your middle groundedness there, your impartiality <laughs> in in saying that I'm not going to be the same way. Let's go Sacramento! Come on. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, that that I'm excited for that one, and I'm I'm really I'm pulling for the underdog in this one. It'd be very very cool if uh, Sacramento Republic could uh, could bring it home and uh, bring the USL Championship a U.S. Open Cup trophy. Uh, my second story is once I pull it up here and the notes pop up. Um, so the San Diego Wave, they're a they're a new team. They had been playing at a, kind of an older stadium in San Diego up to this point, but they will be moving into a new stadium on September 17th. It is Snapdragon Stadium. They will be um, co-hosting it with uh, San Diego State's football team, actually, which is kind of interesting. Uh, cause it's only a, it's a 32,000 seat stadium. So when you think a D one college football team, you'd think maybe a much larger stadium, but kind of cool that, it, that it's going to be maybe a little bit of a more intimate atmosphere for college football, but also made with NWSL in mind and the wave in mind. Um, and so San Diego's first match at Snapdragon stadium, as we mentioned, September 17th will break the NWSL attendance record as they have sold more than 32,000 tickets to this match, it will be a sellout and that will dominate the old record of 27,000 for the, uh, I believe it's Portland Thorns who uh, held the old record. So um, really cool to see that a team in their first year, you know, we see this with MLS expansion sides a lot, obviously what happened with Minnesota and, and Austin recently, Charlotte this year, you know, that, that, uh, that fan interest and that community interest has been there with MLS. Very, very cool to see that, Angel City is getting it, obviously, in L.A., but, you know, San Diego is getting that, too, and they're going to have more than 30,000 people on hand for that debut match in their new stadium. That's going to be awesome. That's Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. Just a, a, another uh, great moment of growth development for, for the whole league, obviously, and, of course, for the team. Uh, and, yeah, interesting collaboration that's going to be happening there with, with uh, the Wave and, and college football. It's not always a collaboration you sort of think of, but yeah. – um, yeah, I mean, if, if it benefits both sides, then it benefits both sides, and that's fantastic. Um, and, and fantastic to see, you know, another NWSL team fostering a fan base, fostering a following and a quality one. Uh, that's obviously mm-hmm. something that all the teams in that league are, are continuing to, to work on and, and build. So, um, yeah, really, really cool. Um, for, for my last point, full disclosure, we started the episode, and I was going to free – I'm not free ball, but I was going to free ball. Out. You're free balling it. That's okay. Tom Petty, free ball. And I thought of a few things, uh, but instead, I'm just going to use this last bit here on the podcast to remind people to uh, cherish the people in their lives and make sure that you take time out of your life to remind them that you care about them and that they mean something to you. Um, Because life is is really fickle sometimes and it's really unfair. But what isn't unfair is that it's up to you how much you talk to the people you care about. So make sure if there's somebody that you really like or you care about and you haven't talked to them in a while, make sure you do that today, this weekend, every day, whatever you want to do. But just cherish the people you have around you um 
that's something everyone should always keep in mind, but you know, unfortunately people sometimes learn it the less fun way, but um, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And uh, on sort of the, the bright side of when bad things happen, that thinking more about that can be a good thing. So I, I hope that everyone just rem remembers that that's a great part of life is that you get to talk to the people you care about. So make sure you do that. I saw a tweet recently that kind of stuck with me. It said, if you're thinking about somebody, someone you love and they're still alive, call them. And that's kind of a, I don't know. It's just a, it's a reminder that, as you mentioned, Dom, life is short, life is fragile. And uh, just a reminder that we need to, you know, let the people, loved ones in our lives know that, that we, we care about them and we love them because we don't know, you never know when that last opportunity is going to be. So yeah. Um, yeah. All right. That'll do it for this episode of 10,000 pitches guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. We cherish you. Uh, everybody who who tunes in and who offers us their time their ears um we really appreciate it and we will be back with another episode of post loons following the fc dallas match uh on saturday or tomorrow if you're listening on friday today if you're listening on saturday um so make sure you check that out that'll be on the uh, soda soccer youtube and twitter channels you can also listen to the podcast after that as well after the fact if you can't catch it live and then also Dom and I will be back for another episode of 10K next Friday. But right now, over on patreon.com slash soda soccer is 10K stoppage time, where you can check out our interview with Minneapolis City alum, uh, Ian Smith, who's playing professionally in the Norwegian fourth tier with Opsal IF. Really good interview with Dom and Ian. So go check that out if you have the means at patreon.com slash soda soccer. If you're just going to tune into the regular podcast next time, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your week, and we will catch you then for another episode of 10K. Have a great weekend, everybody.